Elvis, 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 Are you a gambling man and or woman? Then we've got a movie for you. It's got gambling and Elvis. And that's the intro to this week's episode of Elvis Has Left the Movies. Do you feel I lucky? Morgan. <laughs> Joined by my co-host, Matt. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Frankie and Johnny. Maddie and Morgan talk about Frankie and Johnny. <laughs> hey Yes. This is a movie um, that is kind of interesting. Um, I'm not going to say it's good because it wasn't good, but it was pleasant. Here's a pro tip for you all. Yeah. If you watch it right after watching Harem Scarum, it is amazing. <laughs> it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not bad. Um, you know, a lot of the times when we're watching Elvis movies and they're kind of like dipping off into like ugh, territory is because there's a lot of like just like sarcasm and snide remarks that don't land as well today as they maybe did back in ye old racism time. Mm-hmm. Um, for <laughs> which, you know, but this movie kind of doesn't have a lot of that. It has some of it because, yes. of course, it fucking does, but, but it doesn't have all of it all the time. And it's a period and that's piece. Enough. <laughs> yeah, and it's a period piece. So, which doesn't really excuse <laughs> things, but at least you could say, like, no. well, <laughs> hey. At least there's, you know, something. If we're going to say that. Um, yeah, no, it's not bad. Uh, the colors are really nice. Colorful costumes, really engaging mm-hmm. set work and stuff like that. A quick note about that is that this is the first movie since Viva Las Vegas that has gone to Blu-ray release. So I own the Blu-ray copy of it and ah. the, the colors really pop on, on the Blu-ray. Way to brag. My name is Matt. I have the Just Blu-ray. Just <laughs> bring it up because you know that means I'm going to be like, hey, studios. How put, come they don't have the Blu-ray for Blue Hawaii? Put out more <laughs> Blu-rays of what... I, I don't care. Even if... Like tomorrow morning, they announced that they're putting Harem Scarum yeah. out on Blu-ray. I will pre-order it. <laughs> You're gonna buy it right off the bat. That's disgusting, Matt. I'm in too deep now. Where like you should, you you ought to be ashamed of yourself. My uh, my collect <laughs> like the collector in me just won't won't allow it. <laughs> yeah, I need I need Elvis on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, it won't stop at anything less than having all 31 movies on Blu-ray. Okay. okay duly noted um <laughs> even though of our own volition we, we've talked about how like the majority of them are terrible yeah, i probably really wouldn't rewatch bad. them again but i'm gonna own them just to own them okay and okay put them out there that's all well, somebody has to do it in this day and age if you don't who will it, within just this year two new ones have been released mm. two in north america at least mm-hmm. including uh this month this very month mm-hmm. on the 19th the tuesday is when <laughs> kino lorber puts out change of habit his last movie Okay. <laughs> Which had only gone to German release, but now it's finally coming to North America. Wonderful. So if you are as uh, collectible as Matt is, then you will find that of great interest. And if you are like me, you are very excited to get on with the show. So let's talk about Frankie and Johnny. <laughs> Go for it. How? What did you think? What was your favorite part of Frankie and Johnny? My favorite part was um, the Mitzi character. She's on stage for the, the big number the big title screen number and she walks in and she's like does her little singing bit i actually loved watching that part and when it came around for the second time i was like oh sweet i get to see it again (laughs) yeah because i don't know i just found her like really sassy and and super like 
just leaning really into that character that she's portraying on that stage more so than I did with her like actual character in the movie like I don't know what it was she just had a lot of charisma and I enjoyed it so much that's fair yeah so that was my favorite part did you here's the million dollar question did you recognize her um she was in a previous Elvis movie was she one of the kitty hawks she was not one of the kitty hawks um is she the girl in the brown dress no with the oh uh, no, I don't remember her. <laughs> she was in Roustabout. Oh my God, I can't even remember what Roustabout was about. <laughs> she played Madame Mijanou. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is a good segue into mentioning yes. real quick that we have some more Romany bad representation in this movie. Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, oh my gosh. Okay, I got it now. Yes, okay. Yeah, all right. She looked... I don't know. She looked really skinny in Roustabout now that I'm like thinking about it. I, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. She was definitely, definitely styled super different and also, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Also had a really obnoxious forced accent. Thank you, Colonel Tom Parker, for yet another wicked decision. Yes. People will say, hey, I don't think it's fair that you put everything on him. And we say, no, no, it's all his fault. <laughs> no, no, it's all his fault. Um, I just want to point out before we get into this episode, some of the icky stuff that we're going to talk about. Is, Go ahead. Well, not, yeah, it's, um, is uh, the the depictions of, again, Romany gypsies are in here. And again, they are, there's literally like a line where a guy is like, what do you expect from a gypsy? She takes yeah. all your money and then she doesn't give you anything for it. And there's some dumb shit like yep. that. And uh, there's also a poor black child, and he's just a, a shoe shine boy. A shoe shine boy on the streets of New Orleans, playing his harmonica. Yeah. So once again, a, a black actor is there just to accompany Elvis in his song and not contribute anything to the yeah. story. <laughs> we bring, bring back wild in the country. <laughs> Hello, I'm a black man, and I'm also a lawyer. <laughs> like, wow, we. <laughs> If I had known watching Wild in the Country that that was the only good representation I was going to get of, or not even good, just like standard, you know, I would have started crying. We have 11 films left, maybe. <laughs> Stop. Oh, right. So this is, yeah, this is number 20. This is the big 2-0. This is our 20th big film, 20th official episode, but actually like 22nd because we did a few, like there's some in-between stuff. Uh, so lead us, lead us away, Matt. Tell us about the movie. Okay, so this is our first movie of 1966. Okay. Once again, one out of three for the next, Jeez. until 1969, which is the last year he's making movies, it's three movies a year. That's the rest of our Jesus, that's docket. too many. Colonel Tom Parker, you need to stop. <laughs> is um, Colonel Tom Parker still alive? Because if he lived and Elvis died, I'm going to be upset. He's dead yeah. now, but he outlived Elvis by many decades. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. It's a damn shame. Even more reasons to hate him. Yeah. Once again, we're all very interested in the upcoming <laughs> Boz Lerman movie where Tom Hanks will be playing Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what happens. Because this will be the first I time like that Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks goes he like- plays mean people. Yeah, full like villain. <laughs> yeah, full evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So- So this is United Artists, which in the past had given us Follow That Dream and Kid Galahad. Oh, cool. Yes. Here's the synopsis. Okay, let's begin. Yeah. A riverboat singer with a weakness for gambling wants to find his lucky redhead, but his girlfriend, Frankie, is not amused. That's the IMDb synopsis. 
Okay. Sure. So the gist of the movie, we'll explain it for you for the audience in yeah. case you haven't watched it. Basically, Elvis is a gambling addict and he's surrounded by alcoholics. And in order to keep winning his winning streak, he goes to a racist depiction of a Romany gypsy who reads some tea leaves and tells him that he needs to have a lucky redhead with him when he gambles. Mm-hmm. So Elvis finds this redhead chick that like strolls back into town who is like the ex-girlfriend of the of his boss. Yes. And Elvis is like, she's my lucky redhead. And the boss is like, man, I'm the boss and I'm angry about it or whatever. And then Elvis's girlfriend, who I guess they're supposed to be getting married or something, she's like, man, Elvis, you can't hang out with redheads. That's bad. And Elvis is like, I won some money. Then I lost it. Then I won it. Then I lost it because I'm a gambling addict. And then there's a bunch of other drunk people and they're all upset because nobody loves them. And it's really, it's really tough, you know. It's just really hard for people in New Orleans. And then Elvis wins a bunch of money, and then they have a happy ending. Boom. More or less. <laughs> he wins a bunch of the money. He's like, "This is it. We can live." And she's like, "Screw your money." Oh, she throws yeah. it out the window, and then there's just like a crowd <laughs> of people like, "Yeah." All- yeah, she chucks like $5,000 out the window. And I did like this gag. I thought it was it was pretty cute that Elvis goes down and he's like, hey, did you guys see any money? And there's like people scraping money up off the floor and they're like, and nope. They're like uh, nope. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, damn, <laughs> that's too bad. And just keeps walking. Even that, even that, that shoe shine boy, that the just shine shine. Boy, he's like, yeah. he's like, Elvis no, like, I ain't seen no money. Do you got change for a 50? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. Yeah, that's, you know, sort of the gist yes. of the movie. It's. So, right, so like, the, like yeah. the third act of this movie takes place during Mardi Gras, so we get like, mm-hmm. and we will be talking about the costumes. It's been the first time in a while that we actually have stuff to yeah. say about the costumes because there's a lot of crazy costuming going on. And well, it's the first time it's the first time in a while that anybody actually put in any actual effort into making the costumes for these movies. Oh yeah, not to say that there hasn't been some you know wonderful styling done in the past, but when it comes to like actual costume style costume making this one does i mean, I don't know if i would say a really good job but it certainly gets the structure right and the fundamentals right mm-hmm. and that's what's important get the silhouette get the shape i couldn't figure out though what the time setting of this movie was because in the beginning he's wearing like a knitted letterman sweater that looks like it's for the 1950s yes it, I, I called it in my notes i, I wrote is this it's a letterman cardigan and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like bright well it's not no it's like <laughs> It's, it's yellow, banana yellow. Banana, yeah. It's like a faded, it's a, it's like a lighter yellow. Yeah. Um, and it has a big red letter on the side of it for some reason. But that's but part of their stage of, show. So it's like, I don't know. Yes. And then all of the, not just like, so Elvis and all the girls and the boss and everything, they're dressed up like it's the 1800s. Like they're on a, a, a Mississippi ferry boat from the early Victorian era or the mid Victorian era. And like, that made me think like, okay, they're all like in a themed gambling hall or something like that. But then it it has a couple of shots of the rest of the people and all of the people are wearing this. So I was like, okay, so is it set in the 1800s? Is it set so in like... So you might have missed the big tip off at the beginning, which is when we introduce the whole gambling boat, one dude comes up to the boss and says, oh, this guy was using Confederate money. And then he gets, the guy's like, throw that guy off. Oh, Okay, here's how here's how dumb I am. First of all, I had no idea this whole thing was taking place on a boat. 
I had no concept of that. I, I mean, thought they were in. I thought they were on land this whole time. Okay. There's a there's a scene where Elvis is like trying to apologize to his girlfriend, and they're on a boat. And I was really confused as to why in that scene, for no reason, they were on a boat. <laughs> but now I see that it was I. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big boat. Yeah. It's it's apparently freaking huge. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, that's the synopsis. Let's talk about the directors and the actors. Do you want to talk about the songs first? Right. Before we get to the people. (laughs) It's usually the case, but I mean, we could do either or. Right. Yeah. Um, Or do you want to, like last episode, go and do my factoids first so that we don't drag at the end and do a bunch of factoids? Yes, let's do a bit of factoids first, actually. Factoids, music, and then people. Because I actually don't have that many. Good. Um... (laughs) she doesn't believe me <laughs> i don't believe him <laughs> i say he has at least six no i only got three. Oh. fact number one here are we're gonna name them like very distinctly okay factoid number one and margaret was in discussion to play nelly bly i you know when i saw her first singing i was like geez that kind of i wish like Anne margaret was back here <laughs> yeah we need a redhead what is the what nah, yeah. i wonder who could fit the bill but it didn't end up happening. But she was under contract with the producer of this film, Edward Small. And so she had like one more film that she owed him. And so technically that would have been oh. like the reason to put her in here. But no. I see. To be fair, the person who does play Nellie is fine. Yeah, she's fine. We, I like her a lot. Yeah. I thought she like the, especially the style of her face was very like mature and sensual mm-hmm. and, and really suited the worldly woman character. Thought she did a good job. Okay, this one... I forgot, to, I forgot to check while I was watching the movie, but you're going to love this. So this is IMDb once again. Okay. So fact number two, it says several retakes were required because Elvis's form-fitting slacks were judged too revealing, but the cost of refilming crowd scenes was considered to be too expensive, so Elvis and his bulge were occasionally left intact. That's very interesting. That's I wonder what, what scenes they were talking about now. I, yeah, I... Because I don't remember any of it. I know. I... I I wrote these things down, but they was before I watched the movie, and then I guess I forgot while I was watching the movie that I was trying to, I was supposed to keep an eye out maybe, but if it didn't jump out at me, then it mustn't have been that distracting. I think this is just a a clever ploy on whoever wrote this IMDb fact to get us to look at Elvis's junk. They sure got us. We've been had. Yeah, we've been had. But uh, if you guys in the If you can find a big bomb on Elvis, send it in. Preferably, like, draw a circle around yeah. it. So we no photoshopping now. I'll know. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. Yeah. Send it so, in to uh, <laughs> Alice Has Left Pod on Twitter. Okay. And last factoid. Number, factoid number three. Eileen Wilson, her voice was dubbed for Donna Douglas's singing scenes. And it's her voice that's on the official soundtrack album as well. Yeah. That's crazy. I was briefly talking to Morgan before we started recording. I mentioned that, yes, Donna Douglas, who is a, a, like a singer, gospel singer specifically. Yeah. All her singing was dubbed in this movie. <sighs> Jeez. But that's it. Um. So let's talk about the music. Wonderful factoids, Matt. Thank you, as always, for oh, spending sure. too much time on IMDb. We really appreciate it. Now tell us about the music. There are 12 songs. That's kind of a lot. It's a little bit much. They could have cut one or two. I don't even remember 12 songs, and I just finished watching this movie. Yeah, I will, we'll go through them. We'll see if they if it drag okay. your memory. So for once, we don't have the title track playing over the credits. Inst- the opening. Yeah. Instead, it's the song Come Along, 
which is just about like, hey, come along to the riverboat. We're right. This movie takes place on a riverboat. <laughs> oh shit! This is the first movie that Elvis isn't driving a car and singing. Yeah, there is. He's. I mean, if if the whole thing takes place on a boat and he sings on the boat, it's yeah. that's not well, that doesn't count. I guess that that's true. Yeah. But I don't huh. think so. <laughs> <laughs> if at one point he like went to the captain's quarters and started like and he was like let me take and the started, wheel for a second yeah. then maybe yeah, but no then it would be yeah for sure but then well hold on though if we're gonna say that then also though the scene in any Elvis movie where he's like hitching a ride or like on a bus yeah I never counted those you the one really yeah oh okay well I guess maybe it doesn't count because it doesn't have wheels how about that because we counted the one in Acapulco where he's riding a bike. It has a big uh, paddle wheel on the back. Yeah, but that's not a tire. Like, <laughs> okay, it's well, tires. <laughs> you said wheel first. So let's, we got to really throw in the specific wording here. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure a wheel, a paddle wheel isn't an actual wheel, first of all. I think it, it's technically called something else. It's called like a sluice or something like that it's if called you, something different if you know what it is please <laughs> this is just the episode where we're just like constantly please audience yeah, if you know talk to us please engage don't forget to hit that subscribe <laughs> button and like that video <laughs> okay uh back back to reality what the fuck are we talking about these so, yeah, the songs. 12 songs so song number one come A along of, song yeah. number two the first performance they give on stage in the boat is the one where he wears the weird cardigan letterman yeah, thing that it, song's dumb it's petunia the gardener's daughter yeah it's a really dumb fucking song really a lot dumb. of these are de- like to be fair a lot of these are like old folk songs because obviously they're trying to right go with the period right Although, i don't know this one might just be something to pull out of their butts but yeah <laughs> so donna douglas is playing the titular gardener's daughter and she's like watering and they've got like these little cartoon flower prop puppets on like the stage and they look like lazy daisies yeah <laughs> and they do a whole little song and dance about it. Yeah. Okay. Then the inciting incident is he goes to the fortune teller to to have the tea leaves read, and so he can figure out how to turn his luck around. And right. all of the Romani are like, "Okay, cool. We gave you a thing, but while you're here, drink with us and sing a song." Oh yeah. Chasse. Ju- Chasse. Yeah. There's just there's this guy in this movie who i think he's like the piano player for the for the gig and he like kind of follows elvis around from time to time and sings along with some of the songs and his voice is uncomfortably low like it just seemed like they didn't know where to put him and they were like we need some guy who's like a strict baritone for no reason and you can come and sing in this musical we don't know why just get in there. I mean, I would. I'm. I don't know, but I would assume he was also dubbed. Probably. I think everyone was dubbed, other than Elvis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Probably for sure. Like uh, there was so much like lip syncing that just was not lip syncing. Then he sings the song "What Every Woman Lives For." That's when he's wearing like the sparkly tux. Oh yeah, I did like the sparkly tux. Uh, and that's when he first starts like going after uh nelly because he's like oh this must be the redhead this was the prophesized redhead yeah then they just like come up with this idea for a song so his buddy the piano player is like hey i got this idea for a song about you two it's called frankie and johnny and it's going to be about like how you keep two-timing her and then she shoots you and stuff (laughs) which we'll take a, a pause real quick just to mention that so yeah that was an actual old song yeah at least the first recording under the name Frankie and Johnny, because there was a few different variations. At one point, it was Frankie mm-hmm. and Albert was the, the name of the other dude. Oh. But apparently, it was based on an actual event. 
Oh. Forever ago, someone shooting their no good lover because he's a gambler and all this stuff. Ooh. Fun. I'd um, shoot him. But yeah, so under the title Frankie and Johnny, it was recorded in 1912. Wow. In London by American singer Gene Green. That's pretty old. And according to the internet, at least 256 recordings of Frankie and Johnny have been made since the early 20th century. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah. Hmm. Little factoid there for you. She yeah. called that factoid number four. <laughs> and we mentioned it last week. Because he he was Johnny Tyrone, but this move this is the first time that he doesn't have yeah. a full name. He's just Johnny. He's just Johnny. Which when yeah, I think of just Johnny, there. I think yeah, I think that should be number one because he's just Elvis. No, he's kind of Elvis Presley though. Yeah, but who but else no. is like who else have you ever heard who's like I'm Elvis? And be like oh, like you'd be like Elvis Presley. Elvis Costello. Oh right, I guess Elvis Costello. <laughs> and there was the one figure skater, right? Elvis Stoiko. Uh sure, Matt. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> All right, so... We're we're, no, I was about to shoehorn Jesus. in a movie reference, but you started talking first, which is okay, because <laughs> I, Lord knows I do this enough. But I was going to say, when I think of just Johnny, it's like saying, no, I'm just Johnny. Yeah. There's the movie Johnny Mnemonic with Keanu Reeves, where he's that's what they keep calling him, because he's just like, I'm just oh. Johnny. They're like, well, just Johnny. You got to help us or what? <laughs> Anyways, it's a fun little cyberpunk movie. It's set in 2021. So I watched it at the beginning of this year, and it was kind of fun. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It famously opens with like the the title on the screen says Internet 2021 and it's like a bunch of cubes flying around <laughs> and he's got like he's got some like power gloves on and he's like he's like doing virtual typing. He's like I'm in. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're definitely not old. No, um no. The, the computer did not used to scream at us when we called it on the telephone. <laughs> and uh Everything's fine. If anyone so, says what's the- <laughs> otherwise, they're a liar. <laughs> they're lying. They're lying. It's fake news. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's get back to the songs. We'll finish these songs. Let's just go rapid fire from now on. So yeah. Frankie and Johnny's yeah. the title tune. Then because Good song. there was a talent agent that saw them do the performance, he says, hey, you guys have got something. They sing a song called Look Out Broadway because they think, oh, we're going to get on yes. Broadway. And we're going to be stars. Yeah. Then there's the song Beginner's Luck which is the exact halfway point of the movie. And this is the second time after Tickle Me that we get a dream sequence musical number. Holy crap, I didn't even notice that. She's like, because um, she's, you know, she's like, Johnny, you know, do you love me? Are you going to keep pursuing the redhead or stay with me or whatever? Right. And then it goes like, do-do-do-do, and it like fades. And then there's like this, ah. this is where he's next to her and she's wearing the, the yellow outfit and he's got like a little scarf oh. and everything. There's like a picnic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. The gotcha. whole thing is just remember, this weird dream. Yeah. And then instead of like uh, dissolving back, it just fades to black and then cuts the next scene. That's Very weird. strange. That's really strange. Hmm. Then they're in full marching regalia. He's, he's the marching band leader, which is pretty good. Right. And yep. they sing a medley of Down by the Riverside and When the Saints Go Marching In. Right. Then he's back on stage and he sings a song called Shout It Out. Then he sings Hard Luck when he's accompanied on harmonica by the Shoeshine Boy. Right, yes. He's like, oh no, I lost my girl. Boy, Jesus. I lost sure my is. girl. I lost my cash. I lost it all. Uh, I'm just, I'm Elvis. I'm then so he sings tired. the Please Come Back to Me ballad of Please Don't Stop Loving Me. And right. then they perform Frankie and Johnny one more time on stage, but that's like the climax. Yep. And there's a whole, we'll get into the, like, the wild setup to that real quick. And then uh, everybody come aboard is the big final number. Right. And they all bow yeah. and yeah. yeah, and happy ending. Yeah. So in this movie, Elvis and the girlfriend are playing on stage together, this Broadway musical number. And part of the bit is that at the end, 
the girlfriend shoots Elvis. Which is what the original song is about. Yeah, so it, but it's a blank. Funny thing, though, I'm pretty sure that at the distance that Elvis is from her, I don't think that's a safe distance to fire a blank on somebody. You could fire a blank at that distance and still kill somebody. Probably. But, As we know, there's been some incidents. Yeah, that's how... Famously. It, yeah. Brandon anyway, Lee. Um, Bruce Lee's son. For the crow. Right, yeah. That was the one. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. Anyway, the whole concept of the last act of the movie is that somebody switched out the blank for a real bullet and is going to actually shoot Elvis. And when he does, it hits him in a trinket that his girlfriend gave to him for luck. And so he lives. Yes. A little medallion that he pulls out like five different times during the movie just to establish, hey, I've got yeah. this little medallion around my neck. Ooh, Frankie yeah. gave it to me. It's, it's my good luck, John. I wonder what this is for. <laughs> One of these days, I want a movie where they keep like there's they keep like teasing that it's gonna stop, and then he just gets shot, and then he's just like, oh, yeah. it was if it had been an inch further, it would have hit that thing, but instead, it, I'm dead. That's so fucking funny. Okay, those are the songs. That's the gist of the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about the people responsible for this film. Okay, so the director is Frederick de Cordova, and he did some work in the early 50s. One of his most famous films that he's known for is a movie called Bedtime for Bonzo in 1951. And it's only famous now because it starred then still an actor, Ronald Reagan, opposite a chimpanzee. Oh my God, I remember the, I remember the name Bonzo. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a fucking monkey. Mm -hmm. it's a, well, it's a chimpanzee. Yes. So Bedtime for Bonzo, and then he also directed the sequel, 1952's Bonzo Goes to College. Though uh, <laughs> Ronald, Reagan, <laughs> Ronald Reagan did not return for the second one. <laughs> Goes to college. God, man, that chimpanzee's got a better future than I do. Yeah. Jesus. Bonzo gets a real education. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so this was his last film that he directed, but he went into producing, and in 1970, uh -huh. he became the producer for The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Oh. And he became the executive producer of it in 84. So he pretty much stuck with that for the remainder of his career. Pretty and cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice gig. Earned multiple Emmys. And yeah, yeah. Just did good stuff. Oh, hey. Then the cinematographer of the movie is named Jacques Marquette. Mm-hmm. He was the cinematographer on Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, which we brought up not too long ago. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then in 65, he had a pretty busy year. He did the cinematography on a movie called Arizona Raiders, which I don't know about, but it's a thing that the writer of this movie also worked on, so that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. Hmm, okay. And then he also did two beach party movies. He did Wild on the Beach, mm -hmm. and he also did one of the ski alternatives, Winter A-Go-Go. -Go. <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. Have we mentioned that one before on this show, Winter A-Go-Go? -Go? Well, I mentioned that there was there was three different beach party movies that were just like ski party. Yeah. They just changed the setting. Right, 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 right. And so Winter A-Go-Go -Go is one of those. Right. And... He will do the cinematography on one future Elvis film, huh. which we'll get to eventually. So the writer, Alex Gottlieb, he's the one who wrote Arizona Raiders, which I mentioned earlier. Okay. The cinematographer also worked on. I, he didn't really have, that's the thing. There wasn't much. He's, he wrote stuff, but nothing I was like, oh, He that didn't movie. have much, but he did have Lieb. <laughs> 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 it's just 
Let's just move on. Let's just um, go. <laughs> but the, there's a story by credit for this one as well. And the story by is Nat Perrin, who is the co-writer of Song of the Thin Man from 1947, which was the sixth and final Thin Man movie. We went over this last week. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that we didn't bring it up, but the plot of Song of the Thin Man is it takes place on a gambling boat. Oh, weird. Yeah. Not like a old timey riverboat, but it's still another boat, mm. like a ship that happens to have a casino on it and stuff. Nice. Okay, let's move on to the costume designer. Yeah. This was a last minute check for me there. I Googled it real quick before we started recording because I was like, oh God, yeah, if we're going to talk about the costumes as much as we're going to talk about it, then we might as well bring up yeah, who was responsible for this. Yeah, the costume designer. Yeah, um, who is responsible? Her name is Gwen Wakeling. And Good job, Gwen. Yeah, she like over 140 different movies she's worked on and she was actually a personal favorite costume designer of Cecil B. DeMille. Oh. And she was classy yes uh and she won an academy award for her work on the cecil b demille version of samson delilah in 1950 yeah good and also one of her last assignments was creating barbara eden's genie costume for i dream of genie oh yeah yeah that's right barbara eden of course co-star with elvis in flaming star yes so we've done the costume we've done everything i did i've seen here on my notes that i didn't bring up any alternate titles and there really isn't because i mean it's based on a song right but in france and in French-speaking Canada, where no one cares about the song's title or whatever, <laughs> it was called Une Russe qui porte bonheur, hmm. which means a redhead who brings luck. Hmm. And if you'll indulge me, I can give a quick little grammatical lesson yeah. about the weirdness about that, because bonheur yeah, I was just gonna say. is actually the French word for happiness, but porte bonheur in this context means like good luck. Oh, I see. Because usually when you're saying luck, you would say chance, like bonne chance, like chance. Right. But <laughs> because of the funky fun way that French works, yeah. <laughs> so like a good luck charm is it's called un pop bonheur. Nice. Okay. And so, yes. And pop bernard. So which one, what do you vote is your favorite outfit? Ooh. Oh, it's, it's the one, I believe it's a brown suit. I like the pinstripe suit a lot right but there's a yeah there's a brown suit where he's got a, a matching brown velvet back collar and i thought that was a really sharp look that's actually um like a, a pretty reasonably styled kind of like victorian style look which is the sort of the the loose frame of time that we're going for in this movie i like it a lot i like his striped suit because it's more colorful but as far as like a well-fitted put together ensemble i think the brown suit takes the cake that's fair apparently i'm just yeah. a real gaudy hack because i love his weird black and gold fringy uh outfit yeah you he, would yeah, that, yeah that's that's my vote <laughs> it's a strange outfit i i do like that outfit but because all of the other outfits are so much better styled for the the loose era that they're being depicted in that outfit doesn't work quite as well for me, so I don't like it as much in this context. And I've never cared about historical accuracy, so I'm just like, that's the most Elvis outfit, yeah. is the one where he's just like, <laughs> put me in gold and black and put all the fringe on it. Yeah, I don't know what it is now that I've like I've gotten really into, especially like historical fashion, when I see movies that they do it wrong or they, you know, it's, it's one thing if you're going to do it wrong, but when you have like seven cohesive outfits, but one of them isn't, that's what I'm like. I can see that with my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> That's fair enough. Okay, let's move on to these people. Yeah, let's talk about these people. These fucking people. <laughs> Just kidding. So I believe, Morgan, you said you were a fan of Frankie, Donna Douglas, the counterpart yep. to Elvis. She's pretty great. 
Yeah, she was really bright, had a good stage presence. I'm real sad to hear that they dubbed over her voice yep. because uh, you could tell by the way she was handling herself on stage that she was really going for it. Sure. I would like to, because I know they they did that with um, Audrey Hepburn's original audio from My Fair Lady. I would love to see if there's somewhere in some vault they have like her, if she was singing it. Release the uncut version. Uh, So yeah, Donna Douglas, and she played Ellie Mae Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies for all nine seasons, 274 Uh, episodes between 62 and 71. So this movie comes out, she's right in the middle of that. uh, Who's next? (laughs) I'm not done with her because... I, oh, you know, okay. I love to bring up the Twilight Zone if I can. And specifically, oh. she's in an all-timer, like one of those like top-tier episodes. Yeah. She's the main lady, the big, well, I mean, it's kind of part of the twist, the big reveal in Eye of the Beholder. Oh, cool. Season two, episode six from 1960. That's cool. Yeah. Up next on the characters who play in this movie, we're going to talk about- uh, We got Morgan's favorite character, Harry Morgan, <laughs> the actor who plays Cully, the sidekick. That's me, but Harry. <laughs> yeah. That's the actor's name. It's not even the character. That's just him. Oh. Man's so nice they named him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, He's a piano player. Yeah, no, I was just... So most of the reviews, contemporary reviews of the time actually said that they strangely had good chemistry as like a weird buddy duo, even though like... They did actually. Yeah. They, I found that they... I believe that they did. Like as far as Elvis working alongside like a, a duo comedy, like if you think of the Scooby-Doo episode, that side character did not really like... I don't think he meshed cohesively. I don't know. I just think it didn't quite work. And this guy at least was like kind of understood i don't know it just seemed to work better better chemistry like you said sure before we get to his cries this guy also gets the best line in the movie which is because him and his wife they have a lot of good back and forth yeah it reminded me kind we haven't really had that since blue hawaii with the parents yeah like really just like quips and back and forth so there's a part where yeah his wife is like Mm -hmm. i should have listened to my sainted mother she said you were just like my father and then he said i can never drink that much (laughs) i also like the in the opening bit She's like, I want the $20 back that was in my lingerie. And he's like, you know, I could never keep myself out of your lingerie. But then before he can finish it, she like stabs him with something. Yeah. <laughs> Thought that was fun. And yeah, they're like, and then when him and Elvis, like Elvis owes him money. So he's like, I've, I've got the 25 I owe you. And he gives it to him. And he's like, uh, he's like, so what are you going to do now? You don't have any money. He's like, well, I got a buddy who has 25 bucks and he'll lend it to me. <laughs> yeah. And then he immediately gives it back. God, if that isn't me to a T, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, here's the money I owe you. Anyway, you got a, you got a $5 bill, you got five bucks. <laughs> so going back to him, he played Sam Fuller in High Noon in 1952. Ah. And he also played- That's a good movie, by the way. That is a good movie. And this is also a good movie. Uh, yeah, The good 1960 movie, Inherit the Wind. It's a courtroom drama and he plays mm. the judge, Judge Mel Coffey. It was a cool. dramatization. It was based on a 1955 play of the same name. And it's kind of a dramatization of the famous, uh, what was called the the Scopes Monkey Trial, about the teacher that was accused of teaching evolution when that was still like outlawed in school in schools. Oh, wow! But what the movie is actually about was McCarthyism and the whole like House on American activities. But they just dressed it up. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Nice. and he also, just like Donna Douglas, had like a long-running TV role. He played Colonel Sherman T. Potter in MASH hmm. from 1975 to 82. Oh. So he came in in season four to replace the commanding officer they had before that was Henry Blake when he came in and he was the new commanding officer. And he, from season four up until season 11 for the rest of the run, all 182 episodes of that he was in. 
Nice. Mash. Crazy. And did you know that there is a show called After Mash that was like a sequel series? <laughs> no. It's it's real. It exists. And he came back for that. Yeah. It wasn't much of a success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, who uh, Do we have to talk about? We're done with him. People? Okay. So, <laughs> so Mitzi, who we already brought up, she yeah. was uh, Sue Ann Langdon, who played Madame Mijanou in Rustabout. Right, uh, and we're not going to go over everything that she. We did already did it, yeah. We already did. But it she's great in this, boat. as you mentioned. You probably you yeah. liked her. Yeah, well, she's, she's I definitely liked her more in this, just because she wasn't playing a Romani person for one. Yeah. And she, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of drunk acting in this movie, and she's yeah, really. Yeah, they play it up for laughs, and it's it's all a big fun thing. But I don't know, man. It was kind of depressing for me to think about, and be like, oh, they think that it's funny. Oh no. Especially with her character, because yeah, in the in the end, Donna Douglas goes back with Elvis and uh, Nancy Kovac we're about to get to goes with her dude and then this poor freaking mitzi is just like and i stay alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fucking depressing it's man like, yikes oh geez okay but who's next yes let's talk about nancy kovac who plays nelly Bly. yeah so she's a hot potato yeah she did, she did two good movies in 63 one of them i've seen one of them i will be watching this month because since last October, me and my movie club, we, we do uh, Vincent Price movies every October. It's now our, our thing. Right, right. Which is just like a no-brainer. I don't know why we didn't we waited like so long because we, we should have been doing it from the beginning because it's a great... And there's so many to, to go through. But one of them that is planned for this month, so I haven't watched it yet, but maybe next episode I'll have watched it and I'll tell you about it real quickly, is the 1963 movie Diary of a Madman. So she plays the female lead in that Odette. All right. That same year, 1963, she was also in Jason and the Argonauts. Oh. She played Medea, hmm. the like one who's there to help them out during their journey and stuff. And then, hey, look, the same year as this movie, she was in one of those dang Matt Helm, Dean Martin movies. She was in The Silencers. Crazy. Yeah, she played Barbara in that. Okay, we'll move on to Peg, who's Cully's wife. Yep. She's played by Audrey Christie. She played a lot of uh, misses in different movies there. There's a lot of yeah, like, yeah. you know. So she was Mrs. Mullen in Carousel from 1956, mm. which I haven't been keeping track, but that is like, I don't know how many Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals we've name dropped at this point, but like it keeps coming up because geez, there was a lot of those things. And, and she played Mrs. Loomis in Splendor in the Grass in 1961. Mm. Uh, was she the Splendor in the Grass? She was not. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about Clint Braden, who is the boss who runs the whole joint, played by Anthony Isley. He played Lieutenant Charles Brown in The Navy versus the Night Monsters the same year as this movie, 1966, <laughs> which we brought up, I think that was last episode or the episode before, The Navy versus the yeah, Night Monsters. Yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, you, you had me repeat the title because I'm like, wait, what the hell was that called? I was like, no, it's The Navy <laughs> yeah. versus the Night Monsters. Versus the Night Monsters. And then also in 1966, the same year as this, he was in a Euro spy film. Hmm. So I say it again, but like Italian cinema, especially during this period was fun so of course yeah it was really crazy euro spy was anything that was kind of like a james bond knockoff they were trying to cash in on james bond yeah and he was the star so he gets to play the secret agent in one of these apparently nice in a 1966 movie called lightning bolt or if you're going by the italian title it was operazione goldman (laughs) (laughs) nice and he also had a tv series that he was like a main character on that, that lasted a while he was the character of Tracy Steele in Hawaiian Eye. All right. Which ran from 59 to 62. And he was in 98 episodes of it. He left right before the end of season oh. three. So he was oh. the main character. I but... thought it was one movie you were talking about. No, no, no. It was a TV show. That's what I'm saying. A whole show. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Should we save it for when, for next week when we actually talk about Hawaii? Because remember how we were like, yeah. why was everyone so obsessed with Hawaii? Yeah. It was because Hawaii had literally just become a state. 
Congratulations, Hawaii. Woo! Like, Blue Hawaii came out in 61. They officially were became the 50th state in 59. Crazy. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know why we didn't, we're like, man, why did they really push all this tourism on Hawaii during this time? Because like, it was literally like a brand new state that it's like, duh, that's on us. It's fine. We must yeah, have sounded like we'll complete fools, but we'll that, Matt, I have breaking news. <laughs> it's because we are such fools. Oh, uh, it's true. It's, it's funny because it's true. What did you think? We were two normal people that just decided to start an Elvis podcast? No, Matt, we were fools, full of folly and pride. Well, all the other people who are doing Elvis podcasts are also fools, I guess. They are. They know. They just don't tell you, the audience, the truth. But we tell you the truth, and that's why you should listen to our podcast, because our podcast is the, is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced. Moving on. Who's next? Anybody else we're going to talk about today? Any other Gee, people? that lady sure is persuasive. Wow. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Me too. Better watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Better go check it out on podbean.com. Better check out their Facebook page and like them on Twitter and follow them. <laughs> better smash that subscribe button (laughs) okay there's two more credited people that i want to bring up okay let's do it so the guy who puts the real bullet in the gun near the end who's like the main the main underling to the boss is blackie which is the second time that we have like a heavy who's called blackie because the guy from follow that dream one of the hoodlums there was also blackie right not the same actor though i he almost could have been like they had a similar look yeah but this guy is robert strauss Uh uh-huh oh why does that sound familiar? Well, he's actually a returning actor. We had him in uh, Girls, Girls, Girls. He was the owner of the Pirate's Den nightclub. Oh. And he plays Mr. Krahulik in The Seven Year Itch from 1955. Classic Marilyn Monroe. Nice. So definitely a, a one of those that guy's character actors. Right. Kind of like yeah. a, a face where, yeah, always these bit parts and things. Yeah. And the next guy? The next gal. Ooh. Is subverting my expectations. Yeah, surprise. Joyce mm-hmm. Jameson plays Abigail. So she's the one. There's a scene where Johnny and Cully are sitting. She, is she is she the drunk redhead? Yes. So they 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 realize nice. so they um They lost Nellie. Yeah, Nellie walks away cuz she's, she's still trying to get back away. with yeah. Clint there and have him. She's convincing so find... him to marry her, right? Yes. And yeah. so they're like And they find they yeah. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, they're like, well, we got to find another redhead. And then Cully's like, don't worry. I know where to go. And then so they're near the ladies' lounge <laughs> where there's like, the, they're going to and fro. And they keep calling out, like, they're like, blonde, blonde, brunette. And then there's one that has like a weird, like, mix. And he's like, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> and then finally, a redhead shows up and like, there she is. Let's turn on the charm. And they walk up to her and she's completely like sloshed. And she's, she's so sloshed. Yeah. She's like, my husband is passed out in the other room. And they're like, oh, and he left you all alone? Well, you should go out and gamble with us. Yeah, I think she. I really liked her depiction of the of the drunkard, but it was also depressing. It was just I don't know. Just people didn't realize the sentiment then of like like alcoholism. I don't know. I just didn't find it as as funny because all I could think about is like how sad it probably was for people who were alcoholics, and then everybody would just make fun of them probably because <laughs> I mean. that's what they saw in the Elvis movie. But she, yeah, so they take her to the gambling table and then she bets, she says, my, my lucky number is 13. And then Elvis like does a double yeah. take. He's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get 13 yeah. twice in a row. And then at the last minute, she switches the third round. She's like, oh, I don't like 13 anymore. Let's go with 31. And then it lands on 13 for a third time. And he's, yeah. wah, wah. And she's, she's passed wah, out wah. by that point on the floor. So she played, so Joyce Jameson, who plays Abigail, she was Grace Pander, who was a commentator in the 1975 cult classic Death Race 2000 produced by roger corman i still haven't seen death race not the jason statham one which was just a remake this is the og oh 
No. Is it better? Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Does the I was just about to say, <laughs> okay. does the Jason Statham version have a pre-Rocky Sylvester Stallone as a character named Machine Gun Joe, who's got like a Tommy gun? I don't think so. No. I, I think he does have, like, they do have a Machine Gun Joe. Yes. Yeah, they, they like, gridified it, and they made it, like, all 2008 when it came out. It was really funny. It was a really weird movie. But the original one is, is so campy and kind of, like, it knows what it is. It hits the tone right. Yeah. Where like nice. they're like you get okay. bonus points if you run over the elderly or like people in wheelchairs. <laughs> like it's super is it like wrong that every time I'm in a car I'll say that to the driver. <laughs> like there'll be pedestrians walking across the street and I'll be like an extra twenty points if you knock off their shoes. <laughs> so yeah, that's like definitely that's from the original Death Race two thousand from nineteen seventy five. Yeah, nice. So she was the commentator, one of the color commentators for that. Uh and she plays Rose in the Outlaw Josie Wales in nineteen seventy six. Nice. So that's the movie. It is not because there are three uncredited bit parts. You got me again. But I'm just going to bring up. Jesus Christ, Matt. Only one of these, like, I actually was like, okay, I know who they're talking about. So she wasn't credited, but the actress who plays Princess Zolita, the fortune teller, is Naomi Stevens. Okay. And she was like big time character actress, 114 credits, usually depicted mothers or landladies or the town gossip or the neighbor, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And this time it is, it's probably worth bringing this up. Okay. Because she wasn't in just one episode, but she was in eight episodes no. of The Flying Nun. No! God damn it! Oh! oh. Always keeping you on your toes. <laughs> I'm convinced that eventually you'll just be like, okay, and we'll move on. Like you won't freak out just because I'm talking about The Flying Nun. God, I just... I just don't understand. No one does. What happened? We just move on with our lives. There, listen, man. There's so many other like things in the world that are like fantasy things that like don't make sense that we've come to understand is is sort of a reality that we're willing to you know dabble with, like talking animals mm-hmm. or musicals or robots and AI or whatever the hell. But nowhere in any of these fictional realities has there ever been something so fucking random as a flying fucking nun every time you bring it up to you i'm just gonna chalk it up to the the star i always know the star power of sally field because she's delightful yeah it's got to be like sally field is literally carrying that show on her wings so fucking apparently okay and 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 all she does is like help people around the town like fix things like why does she have to fly to be able to do that why can't she just walk there and fix things (laughs) sometimes she has to cover really long distances (laughs) and without a vehicle okay all right all right who's next there's two (laughs) so the two other uncredited people i was not actually able to find them among the crowds or whatever but a- right. apparently, the return of Mushy Callahan. <laughs> Remember Mushy? Mushy What? He was the boxer that acted as the referee during Kid Galahad, and he was a former boxer, and he trained Elvis for the movie Kid Galahad. Right. Yeah. And you hated it because I kept saying Mushy Callahan, which is a terrible name. That that is his like boxing name. His name is. It's not his real Mushy. name. That was his like. But it's his boxing name, right? Mushy. Yeah. I don't know what. That's how that's supposed weird. to strike fear in your opponent. Oh no, Mushy's that's coming. So weird. <laughs> He's just okay. credit. He's anyway. uncredited, but he is apparently party guest. So maybe he's like, a, yeah. you point him out like where's Waldo in some freaking crowd is shot. Is that in there? That's I don't interesting. Know. And the other person who goes uncredited but is in there is during one of the many um, stage sequences, I guess she was one of the dancers. It's Wilda Taylor who was Little Egypt and Roustabout. And then she was also 
in Harem Scarum as one of the yes. gem named yeah. ladies, whichever one that was. Yeah. You know, the good thing, the one good thing about Harem Scarum is that I, I am like very quickly losing all memory of it. Sure. Like I can't remember anything about that movie except for the three girls, the little dancing girl, the little person guy, the, um, the, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. It's just why, <laughs> like, why is she still going? Let's just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. If you just stop talking, you'll, you'll forget the rest of it soon enough. Let the dream fade from my reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this was a delightful podcast episode. We had the return of the flying nun once again. Uh, Goodbye. <laughs> wait, no. <laughs> last, the only thing we didn't bring up within the plot, did you? what did you think of the, the setup of having all three ladies, Mitzi, Nellie, and Frankie, all wearing the same Mardi Gras costume, and then they have to like do a switcheroo. I thought that was fun. I like the the costume. The guy who's the who owns the costume shop is is pretty great. He's got the hustle. He's just like, yeah. hey, this is a one of a kind. I get this like brought in from Paris, and then the next girl comes in. He's like, oh yeah, this is a one of a kind. And then at the end of the scene, the button on it. He's like, yeah. hey, get over here. We got ten more of those costumes. We got to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Um, I I enjoyed it. For me personally, just as a side note. Whenever I see stuff like that, though, it does make me a little, like, feeling kind of icky when they're, like, you know, they cast all these really beautiful women, and then they're, like, they're all the same, and it's, like, ah, oh, come on, man. Sure. Why did you have to come out and say it, you know? And, yeah, the, this whole enterprise only works because donna douglas's character is like a perfect mimic she's just like let me hear you say a line and then she's like now i can do your voice perfectly and it's like whoa yeah. what damn whatever whatever you say man where did this freaking mission impossible skill come from all of a sudden yeah <laughs> no it was a fun setup though yeah i'd like to see a movie where it's elvis and it's just like a bunch of girls but they're all wearing the same outfit and they all have like the same hairstyle and they're all like dressed the same and everything like that and it's just him trying to figure out which of them is actually his fucking girlfriend and that one will be called harem scarum but with ease instead of use <laughs> okay there that's my hot take <laughs> Yeah, it'll be like a psychological thriller. Like it'll yeah, it'll start lighthearted. You'll be like, oh, which one's which? But then it's gonna be like, no, seriously, yeah. what's going on? And then it gets more and more existential. <laughs> it'll have like yeah, weird fever dreams where like Elvis is getting dizzy and falling over because there's so many women that look like his girlfriend that he can't tell which one is his girlfriend. <laughs> oh yeah, like every scene of the movie, they'll add one new background extra that's another like copy. <laughs> yes. So that by the end, that man, that actually, this is pretty good. This is, we've got, yeah. we've got something here. There we go. Uh, uh, the harem scarum that we deserve sure. didn't get. While we're putting ideas out there into the universe, actually, I just remembered that I okay. want to bring up that this movie specifically. So my brain is the way it is where it, it will be like, hey, let's just, while, while we're trying to go to sleep, let's like brainstorm more podcast ideas. <laughs> even though i'm like no we've got our hands full of one i swear it's good yeah you've you, yeah you're out of control i don't know if i've told this to you but you are actually out of control i literally before getting onto this podcast episode with you i just made fun of you to my boyfriend by saying yeah he doesn't know when to quit the other day he came up to me and he's like and then we'll have a podcast series where we watch elvis movies where elvis is played by somebody else and then we'll have another elvis podcast series where we watch elvis movies but they're no animated. no, no. <laughs> these aren't separate series i was talking about these are just possible extensions of this one <laughs> Okay. Just to take us to our true end goal, which is the yes. aforementioned Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie. Yes. That seems like a logical end point. Yes. Yes. But the point yes. being, 
because I'm like, let me just put those ideas out there so someone else can do it because I don't want to do it. It's too much. <laughs> but I think they're pretty, they've got potential. So one idea okay. was to compare two different movies that have the exact same title. Oh, yeah. That I mentioned. Yeah, you told me about this because before. It sounds so cool. There's a 1991 movie called Frankie and Johnny starring Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. That's just like kind of like a romantic drama that has nothing to do with this, but I think is also just because the song is famous. So I guess they were also taking the name of the right. song. Yeah. And I had an idea for a podcast where it would be a duo as the host so that the, the podcast would be called like blank and blank talk blank and blank. And it would be movies right. where the title is just two names. Right. Because when I started looking and making a comp- compiling a list for myself just out of curiosity, I found out like how many different genres that could cover because it's just two names. So it could be anything. Right. And there's some really weird movies that I had no idea about. There was one called David and Lisa starring the guy who plays Dave in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it takes place at like a sanitarium and it's about mental illness. And then he like find there's another patient there who's the Lisa and that whole thing. So I was just like, it doesn't necessarily need to be an ampersand. It could just be the word and, but it has to be one name and, <laughs> and one name. And, yeah. Okay. Or if it's French, like Jules de Gym, you know, the like French New Wave movie, the that also a, counts. Yeah, a's, but as long as yeah. it's just the two. Anyways. Those are free ideas, people. Please take them off my hands. I don't want to do them. <laughs> and you'll have material for like over 100 episodes. You, that is a long-running podcast idea that you can keep going with. Yeah. Whereas this one has like Forever the nice finite thing to it. We're going to... Don't worry. We'll stretch it out in case you guys are at home thinking, God, what am I going to do when they finish watching all the movies? And she's, you know, then what? my whole life revolves around Elvis. Like, what am I supposed to do? Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll pick you up if you fall. Yes. We'll, we'll throw in a few things here and there afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry, guys. We got Final you. thoughts and the wrap up. Final thoughts? Like and subscribe. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that joke. Um, I won't watch it again. I'm going to give it a solid like five and a half because I just don't care to... I wasn't engaged really by it. It's nice. It's a fine movie. It doesn't make me cringe or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, we're back to once. We, now that we've gone over the hurdle that was Harem Scam, we're back to just like, these are okay. They're watchable. Yeah. I, I think the the I, I like when these movies employ a lot more humor and the humor wasn't really, it was more dramatic. It wasn't as like good timing as some of the other movies have been so you know where other movies they're bad but i'd probably watch them again because it might be fun to watch them again this one i don't think would be fun on a rewatch i think it would be probably fall flat and be a little boring one thing that i might do on my own time is actually um rewatch all 31 movies no you mad lad no, no. i'm just kidding <laughs> but because we brought up that they they do the frankie and johnny number twice right and i actually just want to put them side by side to see how close like the, the aren't, take aren't, didn't they just use the same i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure that's the thing i wanted that's yeah. really really what I, I just want to double check whether they just use the same take again i see i think they did yeah the way they stage because so we so we both agree that that's like the best number in the movie oh yeah and the way they yeah, stage is sure. really cool with just like completely black void like backgrounds because it's like on it's a like staged bound production yeah but there's different like sets and stuff and there's like the fake mirror when she's like looking in the mirror so that we can see the character and stuff yeah and yeah it just felt like i was like oh this is kind of like a legit little show that's kind of cool Mm-hmm. yeah i i thought it was a lot of fun had a lot of character in it yeah and it reminded me of like when you see like a filmed broadway show yes how they have more cinematic camera angles but it's still like stage bound that it did that which was kind of fun yeah <sighs> and elvis got shot yeah uh, elvis got shot is this the this is the no this is not the first movie that elvis this is shot the second in. time he gets, 
This is the second one. Yeah. No, no. He gets shot in Flaming Star. Too. I guess he does. He does get shot. And he, so he, this is the third movie that he gets shot. Yes. I couldn't remember if those if it was like. Wait. This no no. Arrows? He gets shot in. He gets shot too in um in your favorite. King Creole. King Creole. He gets shot in that one. He get he gets shot at, but he does not get shot. Right. Doesn't get okay. All right. Never mind. Yeah. More gunfights than you'd expect, I guess. It's the, yeah, the real point. Too many, to be honest. Uh now we're done. Cool. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us on another episode of Elvis Has Left the Movies. We really appreciate you tuning in. If you want to make contact with us, we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. We also I think we're on a, a couple of other platforms. Yeah. There, there are the point like is, I said, you... the the different podcast platforms, but they don't all necessarily have like comment sections or things to Yeah. Whatever. That's right, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything else nice to say to the lovely, lovely, lovely people who tune in for our show? So just a reminder that the Twitter is Elvis has left pod and that next week we are doing movie number 21, Paradise Hawaiian style. Nice. The third and final time that Elvis goes to Hawaii for a movie. So this is like the unofficial Hawaii themed trilogy. Right. Thematic trilogy. Yeah. And we'll see how it stacks up. I hope we'll see. it's closer to Blue Hawaii better. than it is to Girls, Girls, yeah. Girls. That's because those were the yeah, two that we had. So Yes, sir, Bob. Oof. All right. With that, we will say thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.